Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I've got an awesome guest for you guys to listen to today who's going to share his story, Rob Mahone, not to be confused with Mahomes, right? Um, out of uh, Jersey. Rob, how's it going today? It's going great. How about yourself? I'm always good. I can't complain. Every time anybody asks me that question, it's like, listen, I got I got a nice business. I have four kids, happy home, you know, doing well. So any complaint I have is really, you know, it's, I don't know. I just can't do it. So. Yeah, I gotcha. Same. So um, tell us a little bit about like your story. Like, you know, how did you get into real estate? Did you start off as an agent or investor? Like go back to kind of the beginning days of when you started. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a typical investor of the, of the 22, you know, new age investor, rich dad, poor dad started it for me. Uh, I read that book. It changed my mindset. I knew, you know, somehow I had to incorporate real estate uh, into my foundation. Uh, after many years of seminars and just, you know, studying uh, different programs, wholesaling programs, just trying to figure out a niche. Uh, I bought my first property back in 2015. It was a primary residence. Um, and, and in that purchase, I, I learned a lot. I actually uh, almost talked myself out of buying that home. Um, I was I was just nervous. I, I was you know buying a home in a different state than I had grew up in, and uh, I ended up going through with that purchase, and it ended up becoming my first rental eight months later, uh, because I got engaged to my now wife and moved to Jersey, and I needed to rent that place out. So it became my first investment property, uh, and I rented that out a month before my second investment property. So what year was it that you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in my early 20s. So about 18 years ago. Okay. So you're kind of like me. I did the same exact thing. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2003. And it took me six years to do my first investing deal. And I did the same thing as you. Went to every seminar, read every book, did all that stuff. What was the catalyst for you to do that deal? Like, I obviously... Everybody has the hesitation. Well, most people, you know, sometimes you get these crazy people who have no fear and they just start, you know, wheeling and dealing. But most of us like have that initial fear. Like what pushed you to do that first deal? Opportunity. Um, I had and I lived in Jersey uh, most of my life. I moved to Maryland for a job and I was down there and uh, a colleague of mine was buying a condo and I went to his home inspection just to kind of be a part of it and see it. And he's like, you know, they have a few more units available. You should take a look. And I did. And I ended up buying the unit on the first floor. Um, so I, I, I bought it as a place to live, knowing that I wasn't going to stay in that area long term. And it had the potential to be a good rental down the road. Um, but yeah, just opportunity. So then you said shortly after you ended up moving out? Yeah. So a year later, uh, well, months later, I got engaged and then... Um, when it ended up being just shy of a year later, uh, I moved back to New Jersey and I rented that place out. And I still have that same tenant in that unit today. 
And how long has that been? Uh, he's been there since uh, September of 2016. Wow, that's that's a pretty long term tenant for these days. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you were cash flowing out of the gate, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And did you do like a FHA VA? Like, did you do any sort of like? Because that's that's the story that you hear from most people. It's like, obviously, your your first deal, you have you don't have a ton of money. You want to, even if you do have a ton of money, you want to minimize the, the amount you're putting into a deal. So right. do, you did like a typical like three and a half or 5% down type thing? Yeah. So I did a FHA. Yeah. And I also did an 8,000 seller concession. So I bought that condo for 136, which ended up being uh, 140, uh, 144. And then that 8,000 paid my closing cost. Awesome. Uh, I only was in that property for the three and a half percent FHA, you know, contribution. Yeah. So what was it like? Something like five thousand dollars? Five thousand eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So for five thousand dollars, you had your first, you have your first deal, and then what is that rent for today? Uh, it, right now, it's renting for uh, fifteen hundred. Yeah. My mortgage so, is nine hundred. Yeah. So, um, so you're cash flowing three, four, five hundred a month, something like that. Right after HOA fees, correct. Yeah, cool. So then kind of that was your first deal. And, you know, most people's first deal, it's the scariest. It's the one we, you know, hesitate the most. So kind of what happened after that? Uh, then <laughs> I say I got enrolled into my uh, graduate degree program, which was my my uh, second property. Uh, yeah. And I say that because I learned, I, I went through everything with this property. Uh, I ended up buying it cash. Uh, using personal loans mm -hmm. and and just personal fund funding, um, bought it in April. I thought in two months I would have it rented out, but it actually ended up taking me until the later on in that year. November first was when we got the lease signed. So I bought that property. I took out a bunch of loans to buy it, and then I wasn't able to keep up with everything. And I had all of those, you know, all those failures that the new investor who just jumps out there, I went through it all. Um, I didn't lose money, thankfully, because yeah. the, I bought the home at such a good price. They always say you you make your money when you when you purchase your home. So yeah. I didn't lose money, but I did go through a pretty uh, rough time with my credit yeah. because of the loans that I took out. Yeah. And, um, and so what was the, what was the benefit there? Just thinking out loud here, like, you 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 got all personal loans to buy this next property. And what was the the benefit of doing like cash like that versus just doing like a down payment? Yeah, so this particular home, well, so I I closed on that condo. I was pretty you know pumped and just ready to take on the world. Uh, this again, another opportunity came, an investor that I work with, an agent I work with. Uh, and told me about a property that I could buy a two bedroom, one bath home for fifty thousand uh, yep. dollars within within four miles of the of the beach. So in my mind, this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up on. I had to make it happen, and I had great credit and I had great income, which allowed me to get loans. And I, it wasn't a home that could be purchased via financing, because okay. at the time most banks wouldn't even give you a home loan for less than 75k okay would not pass any inspections it was in horrible shape 
So the initial plan with that was for you to live in it or to rent it out? So it was always an investment property. The plan was to purchase it, burn, mm -hmm. purchase it, fix it up, uh, you know, rehab it, refinance, and then let the tenant pay the rent. Mm -hmm. But my renovation took a lot longer than I had intended, uh, was more expensive than I had estimated. Uh, I didn't have a lot of the, you know, principles and, and, and know-how that I have now at that time. So I just kind of fell victim to, you know, all the pitfalls of a new agent just kind of taking action, but not being fully prepared. Yeah. And it's a fine line. I actually just did a video this morning on like my top 10 investing mistakes. And um, one thing that I always hesitate, like, you know, I, I started the video and I said, one thing I want to be careful about is like, just by listening to my top 10 mistakes or by listening to other people's mistakes, like, doesn't mean you're going to make none because you are going to make some. And that's kind of like part of it. And it's almost like, yeah, of course, you know, in hindsight, you probably look at that deal and be like, oh man, like I can't believe how dumb I was. But at the same time, you would continue to be that dumb if you didn't make that mistake. So it's like, you got to get educated somehow on how to do it. I mean, what was your biggest, like out of that, you know, kind of, you know, hiccup, what was your biggest kind of like learning moment there for you, like moving forward? Yeah, I actually call it failing forward um, because it wasn't really failing in the sense of, of a negative impact. Um, it was actually a very instrumental, you know, pivot point for me um, because I could see you. You mentioned a couple episodes ago that, you know, failing in 2022, it, it's just not the same. It isn't as detrimental. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This deal was for me. I, I failed in, in the sense of being an investor. I defaulted on loans. Like I really went through it. But that home is now worth five times what it was, what I paid for it. And it cash flows really, really well. You know, so it's it's like it started off as, you know, I made the purchase, but then it started to kind of tank in terms of my timelines, renovation, all of that. But in the end, it was it ends. You know, it's a great investment for me. Cash flows really well. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I got all my money out the deal, you know, not too much longer after, uh, you know, three years into the deal, I was able to get all my money back out. And, yeah. uh, and I used that as my foundation for my future, my, my now investments and my future investments because of the money I could pull out of that property because I got it so cheap. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, the reference, the, you know, one of the back episodes, it's something I, I, you know, I always say all the time, which is like failing in 2022 or whatever, anytime in the last, like, you know, 20 years, at least it's like, okay, you fail in America, you still eat, you still, you know, can have a roof, right. you know? So it's like, it's a mental thing, right? I mean, it feels really bad. And I could, like I said, I just did the video on my top 10 mistakes and it's like, they're all failures, right? But they made me stronger. They made me smarter. And um, some of them, it's like, if I didn't make the failure at that point, I would have made it later. So it's like, you know, some of them are kind of unavoidable. So after you did your, those first couple, so after you did that, right, did you still feel like, okay, I still want to invest or were you like knocked back a little bit? Well, actually it ties into the theme of the show. So now I'm a investor. I've got two properties. I'm working as a government contractor. Um, 
but I want to figure out how to be a better investor. I want to take another step forward. And that's when actually real estate agent uh, came into the picture. Um, so I was deploying overseas for the Navy. I was going to Iraq, Afghanistan, and I had a gap in my schedule where I wasn't going to travel for about six months. Mm-hmm. So I signed up and I took the class to become a real estate agent. And like I said, my, my, my plan was I'm going to become an agent. I'm going to build my network. I want to learn the process of buying and selling homes. You know, um, I want to take people through that process as well as myself. And I just want to expand my network as best I can. Um, so back in 2019, that's what I did. I, I became a real estate agent and I dual careered for two years. And I'm actually deep into the transition of leaving the nine to five and taking on being an agent and investor full time. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, I went through that in 2007. I was a CPA, had, you know, good, you know, career trajectory. And the real estate bug just kept pulling at me. And um, unlike you, I was lucky enough to get fired. <laughs> and I got fired because I was doing the same thing you're doing. I was doing dual career, but I was real. I'm not really good at doing things like half. So I was more like full career real estate, like 10% accountant. And, you know, one day my company was just like, are you doing real estate? And I'm like, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't even think it was a big deal. And they're like, well, you know, you're not doing a great job here. Like, what do you, you know, which one are you going to do? And then I, I didn't have a great answer. Like I, I wasn't going to sit there and be like, oh yeah, like I want to be an accountant. So like, you know, it's probably best that, you know, you just do real estate. And I'm like, oh. But um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, inter- interest interestingly, uh, I actually was fired. <laughs> oh, you were okay. For there you go. For a different reason, but again, it all kind of ties in full circle. So, making that purchase of my second home, I took on that debt, and as a government contractor, taking on substantial debt isn't really a good thing when you have a security clearance. Yeah. So in my reinvestigations, my debt kept coming up. Because after not paying it for a couple of years, trying to climb out of this hole, I had to kind of figure out what was the best way forward. So, yeah, it ended up coming back to, to bite me, but it was at a time where I was already trying to figure out how I'm going to do both. And it actually just, you know, it was very, very timely and it happened at the right time. It, you know, I was able to pivot 
without any hiccups into just full-time agent and investing. But I was already, like you said, I was, you know, I was tipping the scale way too much into real estate to yep. be able to juggle both. And, and it, you know, it was coming to a point where I was going to have to make that decision and it was made for me to help me kind of take that, that launch. Well, I was at a, um, a real estate conference. I'm in a, a mastermind group called collective genius. And, um, they had a keynote speaker, Jeff Hoffman, who is the the founder of Priceline.com. And when when he then when they announced that he was going to be the speaker, he's a billionaire. I was kind of bummed out because I was like, well, what can this guy, you know, talk about that's related to real estate? Right. And he came on stage and he he was like, he asked us a question. He said, you know, Michael Phelps, he's one of the most successful swimmers of all time. How many days a week do you think he spends? you know, playing baseball, playing soccer, playing hockey. And we were all like, no, oh, probably none. And he was like, well, how come I'm here at this conference right now? And I hear you guys talking about vacation rentals and multifamilies and brokerage and like name 10 things. And he said, you know, a lot of you guys are very successful, but if you want to be the Michael Phelps of your industry, or you want to be the price line of your industry, you have to figure out what you can win a gold medal at. Mm. And you need to focus on that and go all in. And mm. it's like, you know, you having that job, me having the accounting job, it's like, we think we can do like five things. Cause you know, especially, you know, I'm a guy kind of like, okay, I can do anything. But the reality is you can't be really good at everything. Right. So you know, I got fired now, you know, you got fired for a, di for a different reason, but like you probably weren't a hundred percent all in on, on your job either. Right. It gets really tough juggling it. So, um, now from 2019 until now, like how much effort have you put into kind of like being an agent? Yeah. So even as a, even as a dual career agent, I was, I very much considered myself full-time. I knew, early on taking appointments when people would ask, oh, I was on your Zillow profile and uh, doesn't look like you have a lot of sales. I knew that people invested in how invested you were in the career. So I took it on as full time. Um, I would do showings on my lunch break, um, you know, immediately after work. You know, luckily most people do work in the in the core day hour. So I was able to do my showings around my job. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I, I was a full time agent. You know, I was all in. Um, yeah. If I wasn't doing showings or writing contracts or paperwork, I was doing trainings, you know, so I was, I was all in. So where do you kind of want your investing in your real estate, you know, agent career to go over the next like five or 10 years in an ideal world? Yeah. So, I mean, some my my goal is as an investor, I want to create enough passive income to replace the salary I recently had, as well as my wife's, you know, that mm -hmm. that's my initial goal is to generate enough cash flow that I can replace our incomes. And then that way we're, we're taking on what we do every day, taking care of our kids and, and just what we do professionally, mm -hmm. just from a completely wholesome place, as opposed to what we need to do to survive. So, you know, as far as investing, you know, I want to kind of hit my financial goals to replace our income as an agent. Um, you know, I want to do some more, you know, training. I want to train some agents. Um, I want to get to a point where I'm managing offices and, and working with with agents and, you know, and, and just spreading what I know and, and you know, giving them an opportunity because it's, it's very difficult 
to, to become an agent alone. So, you know, as a dual agent, dual career agent, I, I think I have a lot to offer to kind of help, you know, people make that transition. And, you know, I was able to get some early success in this business and I want to be able to pass that on. Yeah. I mean, I think doing it alone, you know, I mean, we're, we're social beings and like, I asked you, you know, a question in the beginning about like what pushed you to do your first deal? Because I, I was just curious if you had a similar experience to me. My first push to do my first deal was I had a mentor. And it wasn't until I got the mentor that I actually did anything. And it's weird because it's like, you know, you're alone. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. You know, you're always second guessing yourself or you're just doing the wrong stuff and you don't even know it. And so like, you know, whether you're an agent or an investor, like I'm always just a big proponent of like, find somebody who's kind of done what you you want to accomplish and try to get around them however you can, whether it's you have to pay them for coaching or you're going to be in their brokerage or on their team or like whatever, like figure out a way where you can, you can, you know, connect with that person as much as possible. So like for your passive income stuff that you want, is there anything specific that you're focused on? Like any asset class, like I know you had a condo and then you talked about, was it a, another single family? Was it? Right. Yep. What's your next thing? Like, are you, are you going to continue like with single units or do you want to do something different? Yeah. So I do want to expand. I'm working on a deal right now for a fourplex. Um, and I want to definitely jump into the multifamilies a little bit more. I do. I am partial to single family because I, I was able to start there and get some early success there. Um, but yeah, I do want to expand into the multifamilies. Um, I've even done some, I've flipped mobile homes to kind of help with um, supplementing income. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I've got my but now hands. The, the flip of the mobile home, when you say to supplement income, income to live off of or for like down payments? Both. Yep. So now that I'm completely involved, you know, 100% real estate, I use that money for living off of as well as, uh, down payments for, you know, other flips or other um, properties that I want to turn into rentals. Because that's another thing we talk about a lot, you know, on this podcast is like a lot of agents are like, well, I don't want to flip houses or I don't want to wholesale or I don't want to do all these things. But those quick hits of income can become your down payments for your multifamily. Absolutely. And that's the part where it's like, like, to me, it's like everything's an ecosystem. Like you're, you're an agent, you're out there, obviously you're making money working with buyers, working with sellers. You come across listings that become flips and that happens all the time as an agent. And on a flip, of course, you know you can make great money or you could assign it or you could wholesale it. And then obviously like at the end of the day, like you need to make enough to live off of. But once you're exceeding that, now that money's getting pushed into your, your rental properties. And now once you have more rental properties, those go up in value. And like you had, you're pulling the, the money out. Like it's all kind of like working together. Absolutely. So for the fourplex and like for future, you know, apartment deals, like what's your like financing strategy? Like yeah. obviously like everybody only has so much of their own money to put down. And that's, you know, a common thing that people say, oh, I don't have the money to invest. Like what's your strategy for accumulating those type of units? Yeah. So uh, now that I've realized personal loans aren't the best financing for buying homes, um, I started exploring private equity lenders. Yeah. Uh, uh, I met a I met a gentleman. I actually bought three lots from him uh, two years ago and we just kind of stayed in contact. And then I found out that, you know, he was building his business through purchasing tax liens and foreclosures. 
Um, and then I found out that he does lending. So I've been, we just, we're halfway through our, our first deal together. And this mm-hmm. would be our second deal. And I already have a couple more lined up uh, that we're evaluating as well. Um, but yeah, so private equity lending is is my go-to right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and great lending relationships. Like it's, I mean, you can tell your story, but at least for me, it's like, it's a relationship based thing because most of these people are just like high net worth people. They're looking to get their money on the streets. And for them, I just had somebody that called me, uh, you know, like is, is putting money into one of my apartment deals. And like, he got to know me and now he's like calling me all the time because, you know, he wants to, he, he, he needs to trust me in order to do, to do business with me. What would like to get that person to, to lend and work with you? What was that like? Yeah. So it, it wasn't a quick process. Um, no. Yeah. It certainly wasn't a quick process, but uh, you know, again, opportunity. Uh, he had a home that he had just acquired. It had just exceeded the um, redemption period. Yep. Which, um, for people who don't know, that's the period of time you have to reclaim that asset uh, until the foreclosure is final. Um, and he needed a he needed a contractor, and I had some experience with flipping my mobile homes, so I kind of leveraged that. Um, of course, along with uh, renovating my own single family residence previously. And I basically project managed the renovation to get that place from, you know, where there was a four inch gap between the walls and the floor because the center beam was rotted out so much to an actual tenant being in there, you know, uh, giving him way more than he was expecting to get in rental cash flow. So by helping him fill that void in that particular property, that led to, you know, me being able to do my own deals with his financing because we were able to establish that foundation from that particular opportunity. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, kinda, well, go ahead. No, I just kind of leveraged, uh, you know, again, it was opportunity. He needed a, uh, he needed something as a person who provides services. I provided a service for him and it got him an outcome he needed. And in that, that relationship has blossomed into what it's becoming now. Yeah. And I think the mistakes sometimes people make with, getting capital like that is like, they think it's like a quick thing and they think, oh, I'm going to make three phone calls or I'm going to meet somebody once. And the reality of it is like, if you put yourselves in the shoes of the other person, it's like, well, they worked really hard to get that money, right? So it took them years and years to to get that money. They don't want to lose it. They want to keep it. And they want to work with somebody that they can trust. And yes, there are people out there hard money lend or give, you know, crazy terms to somebody that they don't know. But typically the best lending is like totally relationship-based. And it's like, it can take, like, there's people that I've known for five years that just have started working with me today. And of course it doesn't always take that long, but it can take a year. It can take six months. It can take three months. It can take a while because somebody really has to get comfortable with you. Yeah. So, you know, with all the stuff that you've done and kind of where you want to go, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's an agent that hasn't pulled the trigger on investing yet, that's afraid or whatever? Yeah, so I've actually given this advice, uh, you know, to agents I work with, and I always tell them, start evaluating properties. You know, when you see properties that are run down or if you see properties that have potential, 
evaluate them as if you're going to purchase them, and then start thinking about how you would purchase it. Traditional financing, do you know anyone who has money they need to put you know, to, to work? So evaluate the deal, start thinking about how you can finance that deal, and then just take action. You know, Start lining that financing up. And then once you get used to it and once you get comfortable evaluating properties, you'll feel a lot better about taking the next step. You know, as agents, we we take people through the process. So the process isn't unfamiliar to us. It's mm-hmm. it's the action of doing it ourselves, you know, that's unfamiliar. And that's what you have to kind of overcome. So that condo for me was taking that first step and saying, you know what, let me just go through the process of buying a home that has rental potential. And once I did that, a, a big weight lifted off my shoulders and then that's why I was able to jump into my next deal so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because it's like, once you do your first one or your first few, now you're like, okay, how, how fast can I go now? Like that, that, you know, the first one or two or three or whatever, like those are the ones that you're always hesitant on. You're going slow. You're taking probably way too much time. Right. And then like, then it's like, oh geez, like how can I do a million of these? Right. Um, so Cool. Well, um, I want to thank you for for coming on the show. You've shared a lot. I'm sure your story is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Um, it, what's the best way if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or learn more about you? Yeah, um, Instagram is probably the, a good source. Uh, Rob underscore investor underscore agent uh, is probably the best place to get started if you want to reach out. All right, Rob. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. And guys, we'll be back with another episode of Agent Investor next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.